The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we have an amazing story for you. Um, It is the story of Jasmine Sharif, who is my guest. She's written a book called Caged in America, One Woman's Journey Through the Veil. And I uh, started it yesterday, and I could not put it down. <laughs> I could not go to sleep until I finished this book. It was really amazing, an amazing story, an amazing story of courage, um, and an amazing story of, of fear. At the same time, um, Jasmine is currently living in hiding. She is um, in court battles with her family, who does not want this book to get out. You can buy it. Um, I'll, you know, where books are sold. I'll give you more information at the end, of course. Um, but she is by continuing to tell her story through this book and through this show and so on. She is continuing to risk her life because her family, just as they did from the time she was born, um, wants her stopped, wants to control her. Uh, this book is an expose of culture clash and true her true story, her true personal tragedies from being sold by her father into four marriages and divorces to physical and sexual abuse to the loss of her daughter and countless other betrayals. So without further ado, because I really want Jasmine to get into her story, I will welcome her to the show. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch, Jasmine. Thank you very much, Dr. Lieberman. I am very honored to be on your show. Well, why don't we, um, it's a, why don't we just start pretty much from the beginning of, well, well, actually, why don't you tell us, before you, tell, you start telling your story, why don't you tell us briefly why you wrote this book and why you're continuing to put your life in danger? Well, it all started out when my family found me at the third shelter in the third state, and I uh, lost my daughter's case for no good reason. And so I decided I wanted to write this book so my family will see the pain I've been through. But instead, I've changed other lives instead of my family. My family is still pushing harder against the book. Okay, and and just so my to... my passion now is to, you know, do. Uh, promote this book in order to build these survival camps. I call them survival camps. For women who are also um, victims of abuse. Yes, Um, ma'am. And and just to explain, since we haven't gotten to that part of your story yet, uh, the court case that you were talking about that you lost in regard to your daughter is a custody case. 
because you weren't able to take her the last time that you fled, and uh, the court sent her back to her father, to her biological father. Okay, so why don't you start at the beginning? What was it like growing up as a little girl before before your first marriage? What was it like growing up in your home? It was very dark and and very uh, strict. We uh, we had to stay home. We weren't allowed to join any after school activities. We weren't allowed to talk to boys. Uh, we couldn't communicate with any male that came over. So that was the kind of thing we grew up. We also had to learn to do everything a woman can do. You know, we're trained as as a woman, nine years old, to cook and clean and be a good wife. And that's what we are taught to do. Mm-hmm. And what was your father like? Well, in the book, I call him monster because his behavior was like a monster. He was a stranger. Uh, he he was an alcoholic. He beat my mom a lot. He abused us a lot. So we didn't have a lot of communication whatsoever with my father, especially the girls. Yes, I mean, you describe him as being essentially an irrational tyrant who exactly. um, would stop at nothing to you know, get his own way and to get people to serve him. Yes, and that that was my father, yes. And he, you talk in the book about um, some, some examples of times when he would beat your mother, one time with a telef- hitting her with a telephone on the side of her head and you called 911 and then she wouldn't tell uh, the people who came that it was your father who did it. She she protected him and said that she fell. Another yes. time that you talk about is when uh, your father had a gun out waiting for her to come home from a party because she wasn't allowed to, she wasn't supposed to go out and enjoy herself. And yes. uh, you happened to see that he had a gun there and you woke up your brother. Yes. Yes, my father was, uh, you know, he would attack my mom when she was praying. I mean, I'd, I've never met anyone to that extreme. And that was what we were surrounded with every day, literally. And why do you think, I mean, for that example, why why did your father attack her when she was praying? I think it's, I think it's so to speak, the freedom for men to be able to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the power because they're a man, a female, supposed to be with no rights. You know, today I was kind of upset watching the news. They had an Afghanistan story about someone who's bombing the schools for the uh, girls. Yes. And that upset me, and it's just, it's just so outrageous and so... How do you explain their anger? There's no excuse to all this action. Yes, for... Well, yes, and I want to talk more about that as we go along, about this this rage that men have towards women. So, okay, let's um, talk about your, you know, one of the things that you, um, it's very interesting. I mean, you're, you describe both of your parents very in great detail, um, but your mother seems to be a more confusing character in some ways, a more confusing person than your father. Um, and as you're telling your story, I'd like you to sort of be thinking about that um, because I was surprised that you, in the dedication, you included your mother in the dedication and you said, um, I send love to my mother for the strength she passed on to me. And yet in your book, um, 
you talk about how she stayed with your father, put up with all this abuse, put up with essentially her life being threatened every day. I mean, even on the days when he didn't have a gun out, she was just one uh, stranglehold away from him getting angry enough to kill her. And so why, I mean, why do you see that as strength? Why did you dedicate this to her? I I feel um, a lot of people were angry at my mother, and there was a lot of stuff she has, you know, uh, went against me on things, but I think because if I'm going to change women's lives and make them stronger, I have to have hope for my mom. And I think dedicating it is because she she passed on faith to me. She at least showed me my faith, so that was all I had to hold on. And I wanted one person in that family to look up to, and that was my mother. I mean, she did do good things, and she did crazy things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes, that she taught you the Koran, and that that was what has gotten you through all of this. Yes, ma'am, yes. Okay. Well, we'll get, we can go back to that, too. But let's, let's talk about, since we I have so many husbands. <laughs> what did you say? I said it's, it's a lot. It's overwhelming. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm anxious to really, like, speak out to women and, and have some kind of conference to speak with women and include more than what is in the book because there are more more things to say. Yes. Well, let's start, since you have four husbands to talk about, why don't we start (laughs) with number one, which was the one, the only one that you truly loved. Yes. So tell us about him. Oh, he he was a gentleman. He was open-minded. He tried to be a good son and a good husband, and he was. But my father, his rage, you know, he didn't like the fact that he was uh, a little bit more free-minded, and so he didn't like how he was treating me. He was angry. He doesn't like a man treating a woman or valuing a woman. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, demanded a divorce, and it broke between us the, the marriage. Well, now, this husband, you were married when you were 13, was it? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay, and um, he, the two of you were really in love, and the, he wrote love letters. You both wrote love letters to each other during the year before you got married, and and uh, he was a very um, it's, he seemed like he was a very attractive man and an intelligent man. And one thing I didn't understand is why so you and you moved into his parents' home, which was essentially across the street from your family. So it was it was sort of um, it was almost due yeah, like before the marriage family. started. They were like family, yeah, because, you know, they were neighbors, so we were family. Yes. And um, and his mother, who had been really sweet to you over the years that you were neighbors, uh, <laughs> turned against you, and yeah. um, and even his father. And um, one thing I didn't understand was before you were married, he was working in New York. Um, he was trying to make enough money for your dowry and so on. And um, then he moved back when you got married and, and you lived with his family. Why is it, um, you, you talk about his not wanting, I mean, you both realized that you had to move out of there in order for your marriage to survive. Explain right. why, what, what it was that kept you against your better judgments uh, living in that house. I think it was the love uh, that he I discovered only with this man. I've never discovered it from No, but anybody. I mean, why didn't the two of you 
make leave? Why did the two of you leave his his family's home and move into another place? And 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 certainly he could get a job. He had already had a job in New York. Why didn't you right. move back to New York, for example? Right. He didn't want to disappoint his father. Again, it's all about obeying your parents, and they go extreme with that too because. It talks about when you're married, you're supposed to move on and live your life, but still obey your parents. It doesn't mean that you have to follow everything your parents says, because your parents can be wrong, too. Obviously, my family doesn't know right and wrong, still. So I think that's why. It's all about obeying your parents and being the good son. He was the oldest from his brother's. So he felt like he owed it more to them. Now, he was 10 years older, so he was about 25 at the time. Uh And, um, well, you know, what was really interesting was that it seemed like what what his mother was angry about, you know, it's what often happens with um, mothers. I mean, it does happen with mothers of sons. Uh, It happens to different degrees, but there's this Oedipal jealousy. In other words, they're jealous that, that their son is loving another woman instead of loving or, or more or as much as they used to love her. Yes, yeah, see, this is why I concentrate on abuse and how to improve it because this is where we gather or gain a lot of anger as they grow up with this culture. And a lot of them are dying so young because of the stress level, you know, and it's, it's something we, we need to, like, really improve because it's getting worse. It's getting worse for our kids, for our moms and daughter relationship. You know, just a lot of dysfunction going on. You don't know where to start. I don't think Dr. Phil could even fix this issue. <laughs> I love him so much. Oh, no, I don't think this is a Dr. Phil issue. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, we need to take a break. My guest is Jasmine Sharif. She is the author of a new book called Caged in America, One Woman's Journey Through the Veil, and we're just getting started. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Are you ready to go green? You fast, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with my guest, Jasmine Sharif. She is the author of a new and still very controversial book called Caged in America, One Woman's Journey Through the Veil. It's a book that her family is uh, still fighting in court, so you better get it quickly before, in case it gets off the shelves. Um, at some point, we'll talk about the an update um, towards the end of the show, where things stand with all of that. But right now, we were going through Jasmine's life, and we were talking about her life with her first husband, who was um, her. They were her, they were Romeo and Juliet, doomed, star-crossed lovers. And um, I was talking uh, before the break about her her mother-in-law, who changed from being this sweet woman. Um, they were neighbors when she, since she was a child and and since Jasmine was a child and uh well she was still kind of a child <laughs> when they got married but um she turned into this hateful woman who who made her be her slave and who was just mean to her 24/7 and also um her husband's her first husband's father turned on her and i was talking about how um, it was an Oedipal part of this was an Oedipal thing that the mother and actually his his father I mean that wouldn't be Oedipal but her, her mother her mother-in-law her husband's father her father-in-law and also Jasmine's own father were very very jealous about the all the sex that they were having and the romance that they had the love that they had and Jasmine, tell us about that. What you think? Well, it's more of passion now. Love is, is a beautiful thing. I didn't think I would discover it. Like I said, this is my first man, and he he showed me what love is about. So, my mother-in-law, you know, speaking of her anger and jealousy, it, it has to do with, you know, they didn't have that love and romance. They're not used to that kind of thing, so they want to take that away from us. You know. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, really sad. Okay, so your father made you get a divorce from him. Something else I wondered about, 
Um, after, I mean, essentially, your father ripped him, ripped you <laughs> from him, um, and brought you back to his house. Um, and did your husband not have any, like, after the, your, your father went to the sheik and got the, dec- the decree that it, there, you know, to have you be divorced, and did you not have any contact with your husband after that? He didn't talk to you or write to you or after the sheik? Wait, wait. We're not allowed to do that once you're divorced, and that's the, again, the culture or mentality rule, where you're not allowed to talk to your ex-husband. But in the Quran, it says, do not forget what you had together, and to stay friends. But you have to follow this pride thing. It's it's a pride thing in their mind. In whose mind? In, in, in In our Yemeni culture. It's just, you know, you're not allowed to talk to him. He's not allowed to talk to you. And and that's it. So I, I always wondered what happened that night because they went and fought. The men, t- they take it somewhere else. We're not around men when they gather. Mm-hmm. When they arrange our marriages, they gather. We're, we're not present. So yes. And so we kind of have to figure it out or overhear it from my mom if we're lucky. And so, but he was still living across the street. So didn't yeah. you? Did you? It was hard. It was very hard. I mean, it took me, I went through all the marriages being a neighbor because I was divorced and married, divorced and married. And so that's, it was It was pretty hard to try to overcome your first love and then here's your father already getting you another husband. Yes. And and so over the years, like to this day, your um, first husband hasn't, is he still married? He, he How old, how many years later after the divorce, did he get married? He got married after he heard I was getting married to my second husband. Hmm. So a year later, his father arranged him a village girl from overseas hmm. and brought her here. And they have like seven or eight kids now. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> and So they're still married. Married, but not in love. They live with strangers, and that's a lot of our culture marriage. That's the kind of life they have. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so sad. I mean, in your heart, you still would wish to be back with him. Yeah, it took me over 10 to 12 years to get over him. I mean, even though I moved on as a wife to a second husband, it just wasn't the same, you know, and they were abusive also. So that made it harder for me to deal with another marriage and also the abuse. Yes. Now, your second husband, who you married a year later, right, a year after the divorce? Yes. Um, he was a poet who didn't think he should have to work, <laughs> and yeah. he was an alcoholic, uh, jealous and possessive and abusive. Tell us about. <laughs> tell us more oh, about God. him. <laughs> oh, he, he was, like you said, all of that. And he, he comes from a noble family. He's from my mother's side. So they're a noble family, and he thought, you know, coming to America, he's going to have the prince job or whatever in his head. I told him, you have to educate yourself. You have to do it like everybody else needs to do here. And he didn't like that very much, so that's the kind of thing. You can't talk to your husband. You get abused for that or degraded for that. And you had a daughter with him. Yes. And um, how did that marriage end in divorce? Tell us about that. 
why did that, how did that finally come to a point where you got divorced? He, uh, his main problem was alcohol also, and that reminded me of my father. And I tried to help him, but he chose not to, and I, my father one day had a fight with him, and he took me again, and that was, I stayed two years. They wouldn't divorce me, wouldn't let me get divorced. Waited two years, and then finally we got divorced. Yes, and, and we should mention t- uh, um, about, you know, each marriage that your father arranged or, or even each divorce, that there was, um, it, 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 there was financial gain for your father every time he stepped in. Could you Oh, yeah, that? yeah, definitely. That, that, that he did, and it was, it, though you're discounted, you're discounted, you know, because you're not a virgin, so your, your value is less. Yes. When they sell you. So that's, that's the way my father, yeah, he made dowry for every marriage. And he kept it himself and didn't give to it to himself. you. Yes. Okay. Don't even know the amount till later, you know. Uh-huh. And then, um, then you started working and you met another man, your third, the man who became your third husband. Tell us about him. He was, um, uh, pretty uh, mentally sick and handicapped and we ended up he was begging my father and he was from Palestine and my father you know after a little conflict he finally said okay and we got married and we had our own home and everything but my brothers always got involved in our lives and you know things like that I wasn't allowed to have American friends over I remember when my oldest brother came and threatened me and my friends that if they ever came over here that he would actually kill us. If 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 they came to your house. Yes. Uh-huh. And then his mother came after you were married for a while and uh told you the story about how he had fallen from a tall building when he was five years old and yeah. after that he had psychological problems and was aggressive towards his sister. Uh-huh. And he yeah. was abusive towards you. What kinds of things did he do to you? I he one night choked me in the middle of the night while I was asleep. He had behaviors like that. Or he'll randomly get up and break down all the dishes and pots and slam them on walls, you know, break glasses and things like that. So I I didn't know how to how to be a therapist for everybody that surrounded me. It was like, oh no. And of course I'm gonna end up with this kind of situation in these marriages because my father's picking them Mm-hmm. and so from this man this third husband you finally got the strength together to leave you found out about a shelter in arizona no that's with the fourth husband now the fourth husband we haven't talked about him yet <laughs> oh oh but the the arizona shelter was from the fourth husband well, I, you're right. I did escape from the third husband. I'm sorry. Yes, I mean... <laughs> That's what you meant. See, I can't I, I mean, that was the first time that you went to Arizona. Yeah. You went to Arizona a second time with the fourth husband. Yeah. But <laughs> I know it's hard to keep these husbands <laughs> straight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was another part that I found just so sad. Um, I mean, obviously you were sh- suffering from battered woman syndrome as well as all the problems from your culture that that keep women down. Um, but you here you had escaped to Arizona with your daughter, and you found after you know the shelter kind of didn't work out. But then you found 
um, this this couple who really did care about you. And what was it that made you, after you had found a safe place, what was in your mind to that to make you go back? Well, again, the fear and being broken as a child. They really, I fear my family. I fear. Uh, them taking my life or being punished because I ran away. So I decided I have to come back because we were taught that God punishes you and puts you in hell if you disobey your family. Hmm. And running away is one of a disgrace, you know, in, the, in that kind of culture and mentality. Although I'm running from a lot of abuse. Hmm. And... <laughs> But it must have been really hard because you were also bringing your daughter back. It was traumatic. It was pretty traumatic, and I think uh, it's just one of those things where you think you're gonna you're gonna go, or you know. But it's like it, it's something God has kept me to 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 be alive and be safe for for a reason. I, I see my destiny with the book and how much I believe in it. Yeah. So I kind of you know I, I I asked God in the past, why do you keep me alive? I mean, after my condition that they left me in America that way and, and, and all that I've been through, why am I still alive? Yeah. And I had to find it myself. I wasn't guided in any way. All right, and we do need to take another break here. My guest is Jasmine Sharif. Her book is Caged in America, One Woman's Journey Through the Veil. We'll be back to hear more of her story and her passion. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Sonnier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Sonnier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. 
She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today about being caged in America. As my guest was, Jasmine Sharif, her book is Caged in America, One Woman's Journey Through the Veil. She's been telling us at great peril to herself about her life, um, not only telling us uh, at great peril, but having written the book at great peril with ongoing death threats, hiding from her family still. We'll talk more about that, but we're on to her fourth husband right now, so uh, tell us about him. Oh, he, he, again, it was an arranged marriage. He had a wife and still has a wife that he was already married to and came to this country as a visit and ended up being sold and married to him, and I was his second wife. And he wanted immigration papers, right? Yeah, instantly. My father took us instantly, and we got that going for him. And so we, we got married, and he was, after the year of the marriage, he started being... um you know, uh, not coming home, you know, complaining, not happy, saying he doesn't want this marriage no more. After I had been pregnant, you know, with his first child from me. And uh, doing booby traps, you know, the rape was severe with him uh, from all the others. And uh, that and was, that was the kind of thing. He, he, he was, again, a stranger in my life. The most, I mean, he... He didn't speak. He didn't communicate, not with me, not with my boys. He he didn't buy or provide for the kids anything. I had to figure out how or my, my, my mom would give me some things to, you know, for my boys or something, you know, clothes or a bed. And like what was the final straw that gave you the strength to leave him and go to a shelter? I watched Oprah's show one night and... Uh, that it was about a woman who was shot in the face, and that changed my life. I felt like maybe I do have a chance to do something about it, too, someday. And I decided one night, you know, he came home, and he threatened to take our lives, and he said that he wants me in a hole. So that night, of course, I didn't sleep, and I tried to analyze how I'm going to do this. And if I left, I have to promise not to come back. I'm promising to myself. Mm-hmm. So the next day came through, and he went to work. I waited till it got night. I took me and the boys and left to Ann Arbor Shelter in Michigan. And? And I ended up in the shelter over there. After being there a couple of months, they felt they wanted to move me further away from the family, and they personally drove, drove me to another shelter there in Pennsylvania. 
and I stayed there. And uh, one day they called me saying that they hired private investigators to find me, and still they are still hiring them right now. Well, wait, one day your family called you to tell you that? No, no, not them, the safe house. Ann Arbor called me to warn me that oh. my family has hired private investigators because someone came searching for me there. Mm. So it's still on and off with the private investigators, but I do have the FBI, and I have the police community here, and I feel safe. And um, you had to fight, uh, and then Pennsylvania moved you to Indiana, and then you had to fight for custody of your of your two sons. How did you, did you do that from out of state? I mean, wasn't that hard to do when you couldn't tell people where you were? Yeah, that could have been a story of its own because I had to, they had a warrant on my arrest. If I didn't show in court for the boys' case, I was also fighting for my daughter separately. Mm-hmm. So I had two cases going on. So I used to uh, go around and, and, and try to ask for church, you know, church people to help and donate some money to make it to Michigan. So eventually I made it every time with the support that I had and made the trip for six hours I would drive. And I did that for two years and a half, fighting two cases and a full-time student in college and the severity of my condition. Well, um, and, and by your condition, you're talking about psoriasis that got worse and worse with all the stress that you were under. But when you yeah. would go back to Michigan for these cases, didn't what did your family do then? I mean, didn't they try to kidnap you or do something to you when they saw you in the courtroom? Their behavior through the whole thing was awful. They would call and leave me crazy messages. They'd uh, call and degrade me. They also... Like I said, hired a private investigator. Then they took me to court. They hired the best attorney, and they won my daughter. But I won my boys, which we had two different judges for each of my kids. And your daughter now is back with her father, right, who was your second husband. Yeah, the judge, uh, I told, you know, I had custody of my daughter from the day she was born. But the judge believes that if I live in a shelter, that my daughter shouldn't be there. Huh. It's better that she be with her father, who is this alcoholic, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> crazy not even poet. With her father, her father's in Yemen for the last two years now, and even when he was here once in a while, she was from one uncle to another. I don't know how to locate her or find her phone number, or even hear her voice. Wow, that's really sad. Well, and she, I just heard from uh, a confidant that she's getting married at the end of the summer. She's only 16 years old hmm. to a man in the city of Sana'a, Yemen, by her father. So, you mean, so she's no longer in the United States? As she... far as I know, I, the last time I've known in a while that she's still here. But I don't know how else to hear from her. Nobody knows any information right now. Hmm. That's, uh, that must really break your heart because you were so close to her for until then, until you had to leave. That That's really... Um... I still am. I don't care I, you know, how far they try to uh, take us away. We'll always be close, and I have hope. And someday I will figure out how to get her back. Mm-hmm. 
So tell us about what has been happening since this book was published. It was actually it was published um, within this past year. Yes, December 25th. Okay. And what happened? <laughs> what has happened since it came out in terms well, of your I've, family? Well, I've had a lot of response from my community in Dearborn, Michigan, from Yemeni women, from Yemeni teachers, from all kinds of people. They are really moved and proud of the book, uh, although they won't come out to talk uh, as a witness of these uh, things in a court, but they definitely support me in that, in that thing. But I also have Yemeni uh, people against it. They're upset. They're frustrated. They feel I'm against my community. That you're exposing all these things that go on. Yeah, and I'm the enemy now to them yes. in their eyes. Yes. And so your parents have taken you to court to try to stop this book from from being published. What? How did yes. that? Well, we can't really talk about it, but there is a news press on on the internet that people can look up, and uh, that's as far as I can say in regards of that right now. Okay, and um, and you were saying, I guess that that you won the first round, but they're they're taking you back to court again so it's not over no um what what about um what about you, let's talk about these family dynamics that go on why do you think it is that the men um are so threatened by women becoming strong becoming independent such that they keep them down and try to keep them barefoot and pregnant um, so that they won't leave them. What What do you think that's all about? That's a lot, all about insecurity and control, and it's just been inherited for so long that it's so hard to break it. It's not impossible, but it, it's it's a hard thing to do. You know, for for so for a culture to be like this for so long. And uh, I I hope to be the first to at least improve it. So, well, what are you hoping? Will what are your plans? What do you want to do um, with this book? My passion is to build survival camps for women around the world. Tell us what that. What do you mean by that? I mean, I, I want to train them with self-defense classes, like martial art classes, because if we can build their confidence and their, you know, this it'll it'll lessen the fear and the insecurity in them. And it's all, you know, we'll also do schooling, uh, have therapists, have awards and activities for moms, like on Mother's Day. We would also have a, a very, very safe, uh, you know, a safe uh, program for, for all of them, them and the kids. But I have a list of, of things I've written down I, I, that's very detailed. It's more detailed than yes. what I'm telling you right now. Yes. Um, and so are you putting some of the money from this book to that project? I haven't received anything, and we're not to that level yet. We hope for the best, though. <laughs> it hasn't stopped selling, that's for sure. Well, I'm sure, you'll, uh, I'm sure you will reach that. Um, what kinds of... Uh, I actually struggle right now, but I want to I voluntarily start on a group and uh, to get them all, you know, as a group for the survival camps. 
you know, have women where I can sit with them and know them and, and discuss that to mm-hmm. make it uh, a better a better system. So basically it's it's a sort of a shelter. What you want to do is a shelter kind of environment, but, right, I mean, where women with could training, go. With, 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 like, yeah, with training, though, physical training. Right. Oh, we're going to need to take a break. We'll talk more about this when we get back. Um, because I was going to say, a shelter from the abuse, but also to help people to get out of the abuse. And yes. I guess, okay, well, well, I guess we need to take the break and we'll get back into this. My guest is Jasmine Sharif. Her book is Caged in America, One Woman's Journey Through the Veil. We'll talk more about this and what she hopes to do, which is, uh, and how brave she is in, in speaking out and um, obviously risking wrath on many sides. Um, when we come back, we will talk more about this. My, the show is Dr. Carol's Couch, and I am your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are you a wow, a wise, outrageous woman of a certain age who wants thrilling work, vibrant health, joyful relationships, financial freedom, and the new F word, fun, in the next stage of life? Join host Lynn Schreiber in the Wow Zone each week where you'll meet amazing women who are creating lives filled with passion, purpose, and pizzazz. In the Wow Zone, broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Anything is possible. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Jasmine Sharif. Her book is Caged in America, One Woman's Journey Through the Veil. 
talking sort of talking about some of the highlights of her book, but you know, obviously there there were a lot more details and and <laughs> a lot more um pain and drama and and uh and life-threatening instances. I mean, Jasmine, you're you're kind of um uh being <laughs> You're talking about it in a way that sort of doesn't, um, I don't know, doesn't uh, show all the pain that you've been through. I mean, this woman, it's its hard to believe that one woman could, could go through um, as much abuse, physical and sexual abuse, from her family to each of her, well, not the first husband. Well, the first husband was sort of emotional abuse in the sense that, um, he didn't stand up for the marriage and, and obeyed his father, but it was really the second, third, and fourth husbands who were physically and sexually and emotionally abusive. Yes. Um, and and the whole culture of men who were treating you like you were worthless uh, that yes. got you to think about yourself as though you were more and more worthless uh, or worth less and less as time yes. got on, even to the point where you didn't feel deserving of being saved um, the first time that you tried to escape and, and could have escaped. Um, you know, one of the things that also seemed really interesting was how um, we were talking about how men have the low self-esteem and they're threatened to um, that the woman will leave and they have to keep her down. Um, do you think that, how do you think it's different in um, your home country um, to compare to in America, you wrote in some instances you you gave examples of how these husbands um, felt like they had to take low level dro- jobs because they weren't really educated and how they felt angry um, yeah. that they weren't being treated well in America. Tell us about that. Yes, well, they they like you said they weren't educated. And they they refuse uh, to educate themselves or let us be educated as women, and uh, that's the problem in our household. They favored the boys more than the girls in, in every way. Although they go through abuse and have a lot of anger, and uh, you know, I just uh, I don't I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's just such a difficult world that I, I was born in, and, and I felt like I'm an outcast from the day I knew my family because of their behavior and the way they think of life and people. And I, I feel like, you know, with this book and people's responses, I've heard I'm a hero. I mean, I'm like, whoa. I think we're, we're all here for to do something good, to be humane. And that's all I want to be is that kind of a role model and be able to show people that you can break through a lot of things. We have a lot of strength in us that we don't even know. And, yes, that was another part that was really heartbreaking, that even your own sisters um, were not on your side, did not help you. Um, In fact, one sister in particular would do things to hurt you, would talk to your husbands and tell them, you know, things against you, uh, tell them lies. Um, yes. so that they would treat you even worse. Yes, and also the the worst pressure is her husband tried to have sexual action with me, and I refused, and I hid that from everybody to protect my sister and my mom and myself. Yes. So, um, 
So do you think that things are worse for women or for, you know, what I was saying before about how um, in America where do you think well, that... All this happened in America, and, yes. and that's why it's not a typical story. And it is a lot different. Uh, you know, I see America very free-minded, open-minded, of course, freedom. And they're afraid of that word. They're afraid of it. So they cage us and they make us wear veils. That's a sign of oppression alone. I mean, in the Quran, it does not say to wear black. It says to dress modest. But they, they offend it and they, they, they ruin the whole meaning of, of what Islam is really about. And peace is the meaning of Islam. Islam is the word of peace. But they are totally the opposite of that. Yes, and 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 I I I guess because they're feeling more threatened here because of this freedom is what you're trying to say. Yes, that it's harder to keep women subservient in a country where that's all about freedom and where women are are very different. Yes, and are having careers and are uh, talking back to men and um, <laughs> not necessarily feeling that they need a husband and so on. Yes, but, you know, you got to remember, I'm sure you know, we all know that the rate of domestic violence on women is a worldwide problem. problem. It, is a, it is a war of its own. That's, people bury it for so long. We, we, we need more women talking and, and doing things in action than more than just writing a book, and that's why my book is for a cause. Yes, and you were starting to tell us before about... Um, your survival camps, and I, I was clarifying with you during the break what that was, and you were saying that, that it, it essentially uh, it's a t- you want it to be a type of shelter, women who are abused by their husbands, uh, that this is a place where they can go, but that um, not just to get a roof over their head and food, but where they can lear- learn to be stronger, physically stronger and psychologically stronger. Yes, physically independent and mentally Independent also have programs to show them uh, they either have to, uh, you know, we teach them to get either a uh, school, go to college, or maybe find a uh, decent job and, and, and walk them through that ourselves. Yes, that's, that is, of course, really what's needed. And, and it's when women um, take the risk and tell their story like you have, uh, so poignantly in this book um, that people realize the depth of the problem. So yes. let me give out um, some information for how people can get the book and get to you, um, you. safely. Uh, so, of course, you can get the book on Amazon uh, and on barnesandnoble.com and, and um, you know, very the, the usual places where books are sold. And also, if you want to be in touch um, with Jasmine, go to the website that, that of the publisher, which is openbookspress.com. That's open books, plural, openbookspress.com. And you can also uh, contact her through that website as well as getting the book through that website as well. Yes, so Jasmine, and I am, willing, I am willing to speak with anybody to do some speeches or anyone needs me. I am honored to be on any show. And I wish you well, and I, I really... Um, Thank you very much, Dr. Lieberman. Thank and you I, very I, much. I, you're very welcome, and I really want to uh, make sure that 
uh, to tell to remind you to keep safe. That uh, you know, in order to spread spread your message and to have these survival camps, you need to survive yourself. So don't underestimate um, the danger that you're in. You need to do all of this really safely. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your message. Thank you Thank all you. for listening. And please, um, this is just the tip of the iceberg, what we've been talking about on the show. I, I, I'm telling you, I couldn't put this book down, and I really recommend it. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Again, thank you for listening. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.